Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Today, I want to talk to us and teach us and help us to uh, know the Holy Spirit a little bit better. And um, the reason why I'm doing it is not just because today is also Pentecost Sunday, uh, the day where we remember uh, the first coming, the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it also started recently when I was just praying and I was crying out to God. Can I be honest with you? I was crying out to God because I was like, God, we are here in this nation for a reason. We're in this city for a reason. And I was just crying out to God, asking God, God, how do I reach more people? How do I individually reach more people? How do we as a church reach more people? And of course, you know, we praise God for, for every life that He's brought to church and we love doing life with every single one of you. But I can't help but desire more from God. And I know that God's plan for our church is, is so much more. And God's plan for our church is so much more grander. But at the same time, every time I look at my surrounding, uh, whether it's taking a walk in my neighborhood and talking to my neighbors, uh, I, I just feel really disconnected sometimes. Because uh, talking to my neighbors, sometimes I feel like, oh God, how do I breach the gap? How do I share the gospel with them? How do I even, you know, some, and sometimes it feels like there is a, a barrier. And I, I go home feeling like, oh, I don't know. No, I feel culturally like an outsider. I feel spiritually disconnected, spiritually like an outsider. And sometimes, you know, I can go to God and go like, oh God, would you change my accent? Maybe it's my accent. You know, maybe it's my accent. God, make me sound more British. God, maybe it's just, you know, I don't know, my, 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 my outlook, my thinking. God, can you change my thinking uh, to be more local? God, would you change me? And it's so easy to look at all these external things. And I feel the Holy Spirit remind me again, what you need is actually still more of me. The answer for growth, the answer to reach our friends with the gospel is not so much with the technique. Don't get me wrong. Those things are good and it's worth, you know, uh, learning and improving our technique, our delivery. But at the core of it, it's still by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to accomplish all that we do. And so I feel that God constantly pointing me back. It's me. It's more of me. You need more of me. You need specifically more of the Holy Spirit. And so I thought that today... It would be an awesome opportunity, because it's also Pentecost, to explain and to talk to us a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Because when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's usually two thoughts. Even within the church or within Christianity, there's always two thoughts. You know, group number one, when you think of the Holy Spirit, wow, you get so excited. And you tell me, Pastor, don't you know the Holy Spirit? The Hebrew word for the Spirit of God is the Ruach of God. Ruach, the, 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 the Hebrew word for the breath of God. And just like how the Holy Spirit is the breath of God, to me, He is also like every breath that I breathe. Oh, wow. You know, some of us, we love the Holy Spirit that much. Amen. Well, because of the Holy Spirit, we're able to sing because He's the breath that keeps us alive. Because the Holy Spirit, we're able to live. And because the Holy Spirit, we're able to do all that we do because He's your everything. He's the very breath. Even saying the word, Ruach, you can't help but breathe out. <sighs> and so that's the Holy Spirit to you sing. He's the reason you sing because we can't sing without breath. He's the reason you eat because you can't eat without breath. He's the reason you wake up in the morning because you need breath to wake up in the morning. Wow, amazing, beautiful. And that's great. It's so great and powerful to have such intimacy with the Holy Spirit. But then, for some of us, the Holy Spirit is like your gallbladder. You don't know what it's for. But you know it's important. Except for the doctors here, you might not even know how it works. But you know it's important. Nobody would say, I don't need my gallbladder. Same as you will never say, I don't need the Holy Spirit. But then you don't understand your gallbladder. What does a gallbladder do? Where is your gallbladder? If I ask you right now, point to me your gallbladder, you'd be like, uh, don't know. But I know it's important. If I hear anyone say, oh, I need to get my gallbladder removed, you'll be like, oh, brother, let me pray for your operation. 
Let me, let me stand in the gap and for your healing, not knowing what the gallbladder does. <laughs> and so for a lot of us, the Holy Spirit is a mystery. You know He's important. You don't question His existence, but you don't know much about Him. And neither are you interested to know much about Him. And you just kind of want the Holy Spirit to be like a spiritual gallbladder, important in its place. Where's that place? Not sure. But as long as it's in my life, that's the most important thing. But everything else, don't know. Everything else, let the experts figure it out. And so many times for us, who is the Holy Spirit? I don't know, but my pastor knows. I don't know, but my cell group leader knows. I don't know, but if I go to seminary, somebody will tell me what it is. And But today, I want us to come back to that place of knowing, first of all, the importance of having the Holy Spirit in our life, but also hopefully improving our intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, you know, today, we, to, to do that, I feel like the best way is to go back to the purpose of the Holy Spirit. You know, because for some of us, and I'll tell you why, why we view the Holy Spirit as the gallbladder is because sometimes uh, it, it gets a bit weird. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, we maybe had some weird experiences or we've seen some weird experiences when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so you just want to box it away as something weird, something you don't understand, but I'll just leave it there and let me carry on in my life. But I want us to know that the Holy Spirit is not meant to be weird. The Holy Spirit is meant to empower us. And so today, I want us to grow in our intimacy towards the Holy Spirit. And in a while, and I hope I don't have to preach long today, and so if you can help me to preach, that will be awesome. And so that we can have even some time to worship God and to cry out to Him for open heaven and for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because I don't want us to be Acts Church in name only. The, the, the very church that we attend, Acts London, Acts Bristol, Acts Edinburgh, Acts Church, it's not named after action. It's named after the book, the Acts of the Apostles. And the apostles acted not according to their own strength, but according to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so as Acts Church, we need to be a church that desires and hungers for the Holy Spirit. A church that is familiar with the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that our hearts will be open to the preaching and the teaching of God's Word today. Amen? In fact, allow me to pray before I point us to our first scripture. Lord, today we want to draw close to You. God, we don't want to be a church in name only. In fact, the first church, in fact, any church by any name, it is birthed out of the Holy Spirit. The first church was birthed out of the Holy Spirit. So God, we don't want to be a church that, that doesn't understand you, a church that doesn't want to draw near, a church that thinks that you're optional when you are not optional. So Holy Spirit, I pray today as we dive into your word, would you speak to us? Would you draw us close? Would you, would you break our heart, Lord, out of our old experiences with you and give us fresh experiences with you so that we can draw near and taste and see and know that not only is God good, but so is the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The best way, like I said, we can go on and, and we can, some people will love the Holy Spirit and love the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and you, you feel Him everywhere and some people will think that the Holy Spirit is important but I don't understand, important but weird, so I'll box it up. And, and, and it's so important to have clarity when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, one of the most dangerous words or phrases to ever be uttered in church is God told me to. And, and because we don't have a good you know, or connection with the Holy Spirit, we can be led astray with this word, God told me to. You know, as pastors, we're so scared to hear God told me to. Because it can either be very right or very wrong. Just like the Holy Spirit. It can either be very right or very wrong. You know, oh, why are you dating that guy? He's not good for you, but God told me to. Oh, I mean, what, what else can the pastor say, you know, if God told you to? You know, oh, pastor, I'm changing church. Oh, why, why? Do you not like us? No, because God told me to. Oh, wow. It feels like God gave me a performance review without me being there. You know, I feel like, ooh, ouch, man. But I pray that as we grow to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what is His role, uh, we will be able to uh, not be led astray and not be using the Lord's name in vain flippantly by saying, oh, God told me to do this when He actually didn't. And to grow in confidence in hearing from God. Amen? And so to do that, let's go to the function of the Holy Spirit. Because if you know what something is for, uh, that thing won't be weird. But if you're using something not for its purpose, then it will be weird. You know, have you seen people use a, a pencil to dig their ear? It's weird. 
because a pencil is not meant to dig their ear. Amen? We've seen that, right? Some people use their car keys to dig their ear. Oh, Even I see sometimes people use their car keys to scratch their back. It's a bit weird for me. But, but when you see something that was meant for something originally being used for its not original purpose, it gets weird. And I feel that many times in Christianity, uh, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit gets weird because we associate it with something that is not meant to. The Holy Spirit is not here for our entertainment. The Holy Spirit is not here so that we can have a sense of self-righteousness over other people. I'm spirit-filled, you're not spirit-filled. I move in this gifts, you don't know. It's not about that. The Holy Spirit is for our empowerment. And so let's turn to our first scripture today. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and you can't go wrong with Acts chapter 1 verse 8 because this is Jesus, the Son of God, the living Word, talking about the Holy Spirit. So you have God talking about God. And so you can't get it wrong. So what, what does Jesus, how does Jesus describe who the Holy Spirit is and the function? It says this, but you shall receive power. So that's what I mean, it's for our empowerment. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is here to empower us. But empower us for what? Empower us to roll on the floor? No. Empower us to laugh non-stop? No. Empower us to become witnesses. People who walk the earth Bearing witness, bearing proof, that's another word for witness, walking living proof that God is real, that Jesus has risen, that God loves us and has forgiven us, and not only forgiven us, has given us the ability to live a new life today. That is what the Holy Spirit is here to do. Amen? And so today, I want us to go back to the original purpose, original function of the Holy Spirit, and hopefully, we will desire to live like how the Holy Spirit wants us to live. Amen? And so if you're taking down notes, today's topic or title for today's message is called Good Witness. Because we want, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to become good, credible witnesses for His glory. And so today, we will be talking about what makes a good witness. What makes a convincing witness? Amen? So, a convincing witness needs to have at least three things. And the first thing, the first point, three points, first point is this. A good witness, a credible witness, needs to have first-hand experience. Let's switch gears and talk about an example, bubble tea. So, recently there's been a bubble tea craze in London. Shops are popping everywhere and Instagram is just forcing me with your clips of uh, bubble tea. And uh, if you ask around, you know, there's, there's different camps. Some people say that store has the best bubble, that store has the, you know, best tea but not so good, but, and different things. And so if you were to get to the bottom of the bubble tea dilemma, what do you need to do? Try all, that's one option. Very good. Or at least, Speak to someone who has tried it. Let's say, for example, I want to get to the bottom of whether this brand, let's, let's, you know, this, this, this message is not sponsored in any way, but if people in bubble tea business want to sponsor it, just let us know, okay? So, so let's say, for example, you, you're, you're, you, you heard about Coco. Oh, Coco! So you go like, and then some people are like, Woo, that's my camp, Coco, wow, you know? And then you go like, oh, I wonder if cocoa is good. You, you, you go to someone who has tasted and drunk and bought themselves, for themselves, drank for themselves, firsthand, a drink from cocoa, yes? You won't go to someone who has never had a drink from cocoa. Let's say, for example, Rora. Hey, Rora, so is cocoa good? And then Rora goes like, I don't know. But I see you uploading pictures of cocoa all the time. Oh, those are just Michelle's drinks. I just, I just, up, I just, you know, Snapchat or I just upload it onto stories. And sometimes that's what we do. We, we borrow other people's experiences of the Holy Spirit. We borrow other people's faith. And God is saying that you need to be my witnesses. Witnesses. Powerful witnesses. God wants us not just to be witnesses that know how to debate. Some of us, we think, oh, how, how do I win my friends? How do I share the gospel? I need to debate. I need to learn stuff. No, no, but God is saying that you need to have power. 
It's not about the debate. It's not about the argument. It's about the power. And God wants us to be witnesses full of power. Power to pray. Power to speak life. Power to love. Power to care. Amen? That's the type of witnesses that God wants us to be. And if God desires it, He will even give us power and ability to answer the tough questions that we, for one second ago, you didn't even know how to answer. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit, you're able to go, oh, actually, actually the Bible means this when it says this. And then your friend goes, oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. That, that, that clears up everything. And suddenly there's no more need for debate, no more need for argument. Power. But how do you access that power? You need to have first-hand witness. You know? For example, go back to bubble tea. If you're not convinced that cocoa is the one, all right, and you go, oh, I'm not sure about cocoa. No, let's, don't, 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 don't talk to Robert. Then talk to somebody else. Amen? Then maybe somebody else will go like, no, go to Yifang. Yifang is good. And the person say, no, 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 don't go to Yifang. You know, that person doesn't know what they're talking about because they never tasted Yifang. They just, they're just part of the crowd. So have first-hand experience. Let's talk about roast duck. In London, there's four seasons. Some people think four seasons has the best roast star. Some people say gold mine has the best roast star. And some people say new fortune cookie has the best roast star. But how do you know? Go to someone who has tasted all three. Go to someone who has first experience. Or maybe another word I can use today. Fresh experience. Because it's not only important to have first-hand experience, it's also very important to have fresh experience. And I want you to know, this is not just me using, witnessing as, as a jargon, but this is in line with Scripture. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. And just like how we started talking and learning about the Holy Spirit from God Himself, God describing God, we're going to look at an incident in the Gospels where you have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit all present. And this is God describing God, God experiencing God. And so you can't go wrong with this again. Let's read. When He had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to Him. And He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove alighting upon him. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So, what was here? This is not just a description of how the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, but it was an experience. It was not a quiet little moment. It was open heaven. How many of you have seen open heaven before? None of us. If you were to walk one day in Hyde Park and suddenly see the clouds shift suddenly, that would be a sight. That would be an experience. What more if the clouds shift and then a loud voice comes down, you are my beloved son. It's an experience. And so God is trying to tell us the Holy Spirit. Every time the Holy Spirit appears, it's an experience. Even in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 4, you have the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the first day of Pentecost, and it was an experience. It wasn't quiet. It was loud. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was rushing wind. There was open heaven. There was tongues of fire. It was an experience. It was a sight to behold. The question I want to ask all of us is, how's your experience with the Holy Spirit? And is it fresh? For some of us, let's go back to the two Schools of thought. Let's go back to the, oh God, it's my spirit, my everything. Great. But what was your freshest encounter with God? When was it? Oh, camp last year, not good enough. We need fresh. We need fresh. When you, when you are in court and you want to witness to stand to give testimony, you don't go like, so, you know, when, you know is this place good? Uh, yes, it's good. When was your last trip there? Oh, five years ago. That's not good enough. When was the last thing over there? Five days ago. Oh, that's good. Tell me of your experience five days ago. 
When were you there? Five minutes ago. Oh, five minutes ago. Tell me what was your experience five minutes ago. Those of us who profess, oh, I love the Holy Spirit, it's my everything. Are you keeping it fresh? For those of us who think that the Holy Spirit is a gallbladder, unknown quantity, so mysterious, you do not have the knowledge to, to touch it, so you better not touch it. Let those who are expert touch it. Would you allow yourself to demystify the Holy Spirit and hunger for Him? Some of us, when we come to church, we're so passive. People are praying, but we're just arms folded. Do you know that God responds to your hunger? And when you don't hunger, He's not going to pour out to you. And maybe you're new to the Holy Spirit, but would you at least hunger Him? Would you not be apathetic about the Holy Spirit? I wrote here that your apathy for the Holy Spirit will only leave you empty. And in fact, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is not some weird thing. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. Can I bring you back a little bit to some, you know, give you some, 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 some Old Testament teaching? Okay, Pentecost. Let me give you two words first. Pentecost is the Greek word for 50. Because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened 50 days after Jesus ascended. Greek, penta, 50. Pent, 5. Cost, zero. Pentecost, 50. But do you know it also coincides with the Jewish festival of Shavuot, which is the festival of weeks, specifically seven weeks. And the festival of Shavuot celebrates the seven weeks after Passover. Seven weeks after God first delivered His people out of Egypt. So the Passover, which then again also mirrors with Easter. So Passover is the first time where God introduced the idea of sacrificial lamb to them. And said that, okay, I'm going to inflict the last plague on Egypt. And I want my people to be protected. So what you need to do is sacrifice a young lamb and smear its blood on the doorposts. And inside, I want you to enjoy that lamb roasted and enjoy it and have a meal. And on the last night where God delivered the final plague upon Egypt, it was the plague against the firstborn. And so there was a spirit of death that came and took away every firstborn, every firstborn for every family, even animals, their firstborn died. But it will pass over, that's why it's called Passover, pass over the houses that had the blood of the lamb smeared over it. That was God in the Old Testament telling the people that one day there will be a perfect sacrifice. Now you each have to sacrifice for your own household, but one day there will come a perfect sacrifice that will erase all sin and allow the judgment of sin to pass over all of you. And seven weeks after Passover, they were out of Egypt, they were celebrating. Seven weeks after Passover, they arrived at Mount Sinai and God gave them the Ten Commandments. So the festival of Shavuot is to celebrate the giving of commandments to His people. And that's why in the book of Acts, when the Pentecost happened, there were so many Jews from different, different continents gathered there because they were there to celebrate Shavuot. And so do you see how in, in the Old Testament, God said that I will deliver you and then out of that deliverance, I give you a new command to live by. And then in the New Testament, which is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, God brought, okay, not just one lamb, but the perfect lamb. His name is Jesus. And He healed us and He atoned for all of our sins and 50 days or specifically seven weeks after that, whether you want to call it Pentecost or Shavuot, God gave a new command. And a new command is that you will be my witnesses. And the Holy Spirit was out, poured out. And so if you're still in the old camp of like, mm, I'm not sure, I'm a bit traditional in my belief, we never doubt the Ten Commandments. But if God can put the Ten Commandments and the Holy Spirit in equal plating, then you've got to give in equal importance to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I pray that this will make us go like, wow, God, it, in the old times, you delivered the people out. You gave them your word. In the new time, you delivered us out in an even more complete way and you gave us your Holy Spirit. So if the people of old live by the commandments, today I'm going to live by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that that will make us hunger or at least curious. Even if you've never been filled by the Holy Spirit, that we will at least go like, God, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? 
If you, if it was too complex for you to understand, would you at least hunger and say that God, I want more of you? And so, how do we have more of God? How do we have fresh experiences of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is here to do three things: convict the world of sin, lead us to all truth, and to bless us with His gifts. So, if we're talking about having a fresh experience or hungering for an experience, a first-hand experience of the Holy Spirit, then we can at least apply these three things in our lives. How do you hunger for the Holy Spirit? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal your heart. If the Holy Spirit is here to convict the world of sin and to turn and switch on our God conscience, then the least we could do is every day wake up, God, I want a fresh experience of you. And I'm not talking about rolling on the floor. I'm not talking about laughing on trouble. I'm like, God, I stand before you. Holy Spirit, would you search my heart right now? That's a fresh experience. Would you reveal your word to me? Why? Because He's the Spirit of truth that leads us to all truth. So would you reveal? So every time when you, before you read the Bible, if you just read it, there's no power in it. But if before you read it, you declare, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? That's a fresh experience. And last but not least, would you look at the list of the gifts of the Spirit and not just go like, oh wow, so nice, prophecy, so interesting, healing. But would you desire it? Because this world is desperately in need of signs and wonders of a living God. And I pray that we will not be passive readers of the Word of God, but allow the Holy Spirit, hunger for the Holy Spirit to give you His gifts. And go like, God, wow, if the word says that, you know, in Jesus' name, I can, I can pray for people and it can be healing in Jesus' name. God, God, help me to operate in that gift. God, help me to operate in the gift of prophecy. Help me to operate in the gift of healing. Help me to operate in the gift of faith. Amen? And that's new. That's what I mean by new experiences, fresh experiences for Him. Amen? Point number two, how do you become a, a good witness? Besides just having fresh encounter, first-hand experience, you need to be credible. Credible. And the word credible is really broken down to two things. You need to be likable and trustworthy. Everybody likes a likable witness, right? And if you're there, you know, so have you had bubble tea? No. Or if worse, you say, do you like bubble tea? Yes. And your face is a frown. You'll be like, oh, I, I, I guess it wasn't good. No, it was good. Okay. Sure, you're saying that, but you walk away not believing that because that, the, the emotion wasn't the most likable. Amen? So how do you present yourself likable to the world today? The world has another word, charismatic. Oh, we all love charismatic people. But do you know the word charismatic is actually Greek in origin, meaning gift, gift from God. And again, where do we get? It's the Holy Spirit. How do I become likable to the people in my office? How do I become likable to my friends? How do I become likable to my neighbours? Holy Spirit. But let's focus today a little bit more on trustworthy. Trustworthy means that God can trust you. God can entrust things to you. And through your life, He can do great things. So how do we then appear before God as trustworthy. Let's again look to Matthew 3, 16, 17, and let's look at how Jesus did it. There's a picture here. I want us to expand this short description. It's very loaded. All the imagery there is there for a purpose, there for a reason. And so not only was there open heaven, something to be experienced, something loud, something that cannot be hidden, but there was also this imagery of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, alighting upon Jesus. Dove. Why? The Holy Spirit is power. The Holy Spirit is fire. Why not Phoenix? Wow. Why not pterodactyl? Some of you don't even know what's that, a type of dinosaur bird. Anyway, so, you know, why not eagle? Sorry, that's the only sound effect I can do. You know? <laughs> what about chicken? No, no, no. Why dove? Dove represents purity, clean. Pure. That's why all the, you know, shampoo, dove. You don't put pigeon. Pigeon. <laughs> oh, I wash my hair with pigeon bread. No, no. Dove. Oh, dove. Even though dove and pigeon kind of the same, but you know, dove. Purity. Dove. Purity. Landed upon Jesus. The perfect lamb. The perfect lamb of God. When you think of lamb, white, fluffy, pure, 
cute, innocent. What is God saying? Purity attracts purity. If you want to be seen as trustworthy before God, not men. If you want to be trustworthy before men, just be very charismatic. Just, just be very smooth and go, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Hi. You know, dress a million-dollar suit, have a million-dollar smile, and have nothing inside, and people will trust you. Right? Look at politics. Anyway, so... <clears throat> but for God, God sees into the heart. And God is saying that, I want to look for people that are trustworthy. And so what do we need to do? A credible witness is not only trustworthy, but a credible witness is someone that needs to take credibility seriously. What makes Christians credible? Holiness. How can we point to the world that there is a better way when we are not living by a better way? How can we be in the world and say that don't be of the world when we are of the world? And so we need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to live a higher way. We need to be living God's way. We need to take holiness seriously. And that's what we need to do because the Holy Spirit is attracted to holiness. And I'm not saying that all of us need to be perfect witnesses that never fail. Oh, the moment I accepted Christ, no more problems. I never failed. I never had any more addictions. I never had any problems. I never swear anymore. In fact, everything just, just beautiful words. Poetry come out of my mouth now. Especially when I'm angry, even more poetry. Oh, you know, roses are red, violets are blue. Oh, this work is awful, but I love you. <laughs> no. As Christians, we have our days. Can we be honest? Hello, am I the only honest Christian here? We have our days. But God is saying, can you at least take holiness seriously? See, in the Old Testament, when God laid down the laws, there were the, the purity laws. And there were days and, and, and times where you can't help it, you are unpure, unclean before God. But then at the same time, for every uncleanliness, impure thought, God provided a way out. There was a cleansing process. Now that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and we are imperfect vessels, just, just let that thought sink in. The Holy Spirit, who was there even before the world was created, who was hovering around the chaos of the world and created order out of chaos. The Holy Spirit, God Himself, who, who, who no throne can be worthy for Him to sit. That's why the Spirit hovers, yet He dwells in us. And that is not something to be taken lightly. A lot of us, we take that as, oh wow, I'm so loved by God. I can do whatever and God, you just love me because you are a good, good father. It's who you are, even though I'm bad. It's who you are, you still love me. It's who you are. And, and we, we, we even oppose people go like, oh no, salvation is, is by faith, not true works. I'm not asking us to work our way towards purity to be loved by God. I'm asking us to work our way towards purity because we are loved by God. Because God loves us, let's be pure. Because God loves us, let's live by a higher standard. Because God loves us, let's take God's business seriously and God is in the business of holiness. Why do you think Jesus came to die on the cross to give us a chance at holiness? Give us an opportunity to approach God's holy of holies. And so now that we're filled by the Holy Spirit, we are to become His witnesses. And so we got to exemplify the very thing that we want to testify. And that's God. You know, if, if, if I were to be a witness to bubble tea, then I can be as fat as I want. So I can be a walking bubble. And I will always have a cup, you know, of, of bubble tea in my hand. You know, if, if I were to be a witness for roast duck, then I got to be fat. Always having greasy duck stains and duck sauce all over my fingertips to exemplify a person who loves duck. If I want to be a witness that football is the way, truth, and life, then every day I'll wear a jersey. Rain or shine, I'll wear a jersey. I go to work, I'll wear a jersey. Even on the inside, I'll wear a jersey. And we've seen people do that. We've seen people, CEOs, you know, they can wear in a suit, but they'll always be wearing a cap with their name brand on it. 
whether it's Marvel or Uber or AirAsia, whatever you see them, suit but branding because they are meant to be walking witnesses of the thing they represent. So who do you represent? God. So how do we ought to live? Holy. But are we perfect? No. But taking it seriously doesn't mean not getting ourselves dirty. Taking God's holiness seriously means that we pick ourselves up again and again. It means that we do not live on the excuse that God can love me and take God's grace for granted. But to say that God, I, I want to be able to pray for my friends. I want to be a witness that prayer works. I want to be able to have the boldness to pray for my friends. And the reason why I don't have the boldness to pray for my friends is because I'm afraid that when I pray, it doesn't happen. So how do I fix that problem? And you go to the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth that leads you to all truth and says that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Then you suddenly realize that, wow, the, the, the way I can grow more confident in my prayer life is if I gain more confidence in my righteous life. And so God, I'm going to start prioritizing holiness. I'm going to start caring about what I put into my life, what I put into my mind, what I put through my eyes. What does the Bible say? That our eyes are the lamp to the body. And if the lamps are darkened, how great that darkness within the body is. And we're living in a very visual world. And so we got to be careful what we consume into our soul, into our spirit, visually. Let's care about holiness when it comes to what we watch, what we read. Let's care about holiness when it comes to what we talk about. Let's care about holiness because holiness attracts the Holy Spirit. Do you get it? That's why it's called the Holy Spirit. He's not called a dirty spirit. But we have the dirty spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? So would you make Him as imperfect as we are? Would you at least do our best to clean ourselves on the inside so that we attract the Holy Spirit? Just like how Jesus attracted the Holy Spirit. Now the imagery of the dove, doves are gentle. They land on their own timing. They're not eager, they swoops down. They land, they flutter, they land. They're easily startled. And so the Holy Spirit is saying that I'm gentle, I'm holy, I'm pure, I'm easily startled. I want to rest on people that are rested in me. I want to rest on people that attract my quality. Amen. So point number two is this. Let's, let's make an effort to be credible witnesses of a holy God. Let's take God's business of holiness seriously. Amen? And point number three is this. To be a good witness. To be someone that God can use. To be someone that God can entrust. Then we must be a witness with no agenda otherwise known as a witness with no ulterior motive. In a court of law, a witness with an agenda is called a hostile witness. And it's not good for your case. So to be someone that God can use, we've got to be someone that, you know what, my, God, your agenda is my agenda. I don't have a personal agenda. I'm here to do your will. And again, Jesus exemplified this in John chapter 6, verse 38. Amen. John 6, 38, it says this, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. That's Jesus. I came to do God's will. Not my will, but God's will. Even Jesus says, you know, I, I, I carry no other agenda except God's agenda. And that's why the Holy Spirit was present in Him. That's why, the Holy, that was, that's why Jesus, fully God, but also fully man, Jesus was the first person to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to bear witness to a living God. And we want to be modeling after Jesus. Amen? In fact, in, in, in John chapter 4, verse 34, even Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father. Wow. Do you think we can do that, church? When was the last time you said that? <laughs> hey, what to eat after church, you know? My will is to do the will of the... My, sorry, my food. <laughs> what to eat? Should we go Japanese? My food is not Japanese. My food is to do the will of the... No. And I'm just saying it not because it's something fun to say, but I'm saying that will we, will we take it seriously because it, it does require that. In Luke chapter 1, you have the story of Mary, a person who today we know as blessed, the surrogate 
mom for our Lord and Savior, the earthly vessel to give birth. The Bible says in the whole of Luke chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit came upon her and she became with child. But do you know, before that could happen, before she could bear witness and became living proof that there is a God and that God literally lives in her, she had to surrender her own agenda. When the angel says that this is what's going to happen, she goes like, oh, why me? But in the end, go back, read the whole of Luke chapter 1. She says, but do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. And because of that surrender, when I say no personal agenda, what I actually mean is, let's be people that would surrender our personal agenda. Because I'm sure Mary and Bible scholars are split when did she get pregnant with Jesus and uh, they believe that it's when she's young. So let's, let's, let's give her a young age, 17. I'm sure at 17 she had a plan. Oh, 17. Oh, I want to get married to a good man. 17, I want to have kids. But definitely after getting married... And yet God's plan came in and interrupted that plan. And she had a choice. I can either continue to live out my plan, marry the man I want, the plan I laid down, become a mother of 2.5 kids, after getting married, maybe start my own business, maybe become a blogger mom, if there were blogs at the time, you know. Uh, maybe I'll, 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 or I could lay aside my own agenda and be part of God's plan and allow God to take me further than it could ever be. If Mary continued her old lifestyle, she would have just been a mom in the Middle East, just like countless moms in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. But because she laid down her own agenda, today we're talking about her. Today we're talking about her as an example. Today we're talking about her as a witness. What about your life? For X church to have started initially in London, now Bristol, Edinburgh. For X Edinburgh to start, it needed one student to lay down his own personal agenda, his own personal preference of how he would have liked to see his third year in university look like. Lay that aside and to pick up God's agenda and say, it's not my will, but yours be done, Lord. For X Bristol to have existed today, it took another campus student to lay aside his first year university agenda. Wow, first year university, lots of plans. The immediate plan is this, because it's the, the, the grades are not calculated to my final degree or calculated to a very small percentage, I can play. So first year, I've mapped out all the places I want to go. Prague, Budapest, Ireland, Edinburgh, Iceland, Barcelona, Paris. Or I could lay that aside and say that God, not my will, not my holidays, but your will be done. And today we have ex-Edinburgh. Today we have ex-Bristol. Ex-London started because another student laid down his agenda. Do you, do you get what I'm saying, church? The world needs more witnesses for the Holy Spirit to move through, but the Holy Spirit moves through people who dare, when upon challenge, to lay aside their agenda. I'm not saying to live an aimless life and go, oh God, use me. But to live your life the best you know how, but the moment God interrupts it, allow God's interruption. Because God's detour is always better than your best laid plans. For Exodus UK to have pastors the pastors had to lay aside their plans. At least one of them had to lay aside her plan to be promoted as a partner in a prestigious law firm in Malaysia, lay aside that plan to obey God. And I believe that so much more came out of it because that one person laid aside her plan. For that to have been ex-church, 20 years ago, starting all the way from Malaysia, it took a man named Kenneth Chin. Today, we know him as 
pastor kind of chin or reverend kind of chin to lay aside his plan for God's plan. For Jesus to come on earth, it took a girl to lay aside her plan for God's plan. For the gospel to be preached and the first church to be born, it took 11 men laying aside their plan for God's plan. No longer a fisherman, I'm going to take on God's agenda to become a fisher of men. No longer tax collector, now I'll collect souls for God. Paul had to lay aside his agenda. When he was Saul, his agenda persecute Christians. But then when he met God, when she met the Holy Spirit, he had to lay aside that agenda and pick up God's agenda. Now I will be apostle to the Gentiles. Do you understand, friends? The world, it's so many times, we want God's blessing, but we don't want to pay the price. God, move! While we pray, God, move! God, move mountains. God, do miracles. Oh, Holy Spirit, pour out your anointing upon me. But what about the issue of agenda? Are we saying, God, pour out upon me and not my will but yours be done? Pour yourself out upon me and now when I go to my office, God, if you ask me to pray, I will pray. I'm not going to care what people think about me. I'm going to pray because not my agenda but your agenda. A witness can be trusted is there to prove nothing else but the very thing that they set out to prove. One last point and then I'll close. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says that you shall receive power to become my witnesses. The word witnesses or witness in the Greek, because the book of Acts was originally written in Greek, it means martyr. In fact, the Greek word for witness is martyr. Someone who, today, we, we associate the term martyr with someone who is willing to die for their faith. But do you know, originally, the word martyr means someone who was willing to die for their statement. How do you become a witness? Do you see the person do that? I did it. Really? Yeah. I, I see it. You know, I, I, I bet my life on it. I put my life on the line that that's the best bubble tea shop in the world. I put my life on the line that that's the best place to eat. I put my life on the line that that's the best place to shop. I put my life on the line. That's the original meaning for witness. Because talk is cheap. But when you are there to put your life on it, there's power in that witness. There's power in that testimony. And today, God is asking us as a church, would you be willing to come back to that place again? Would you, ex church, be willing to redeem the experience of the Holy Spirit. And instead of giving people this impression that, oh, the Holy Spirit is messy, it's weird, to reintroduce to the world what living for the Holy Spirit, what bearing witness to the Holy Spirit looks like. And that the gospel that we preach is not a gospel of good ideas. It's not a gospel of moral values but it's a gospel of power and power onto life. Amen? Will we be that kind of church? But specifically, will we be that good witness for a good God? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that today, Lord, as we celebrate and remember Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God, we don't want the Holy Spirit just to be an idea, a concept, but God, we want you to live in us. We want to live for you. Lord, we don't want you to, your name to be besmirched. We don't want people to have bad impression of your name. God, help us, Lord, to be your church. Help us, Lord, to live out what it means to be someone who has the Holy Spirit living in them. God, I pray that now that we've heard your word, we will proceed with living it out. Help us, God, to desire fresh experiences from you every day. And not just fresh experiences of running to conferences or running for worship events, but Lord, approaching you and letting you do in us what you do best. Convict our hearts, 
lead us to truth and equip us, equip us with your gifts. But God, help us to be witnesses of credibility. Grant us the charisma of the Holy Spirit, but also grant us a seriousness towards holiness. Because Holy Spirit, you are holy and you are attracted and drawn towards purity and holiness. God, forgive us for the areas in our life that are in disarray. Forgive us, Lord, for areas in our life that are broken. Forgive us, Lord, for areas in our life that we have neglected. But God, help us now to repair. Help us now, Lord. We know that we are not pure. We know that our heart is deceitful. We know that we are broken people, but we, are, we also know that we are loved by You. And God, help us to change, not to be loved, but help us to change for the better because we are loved. And last but not least, God, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to learn to surrender our agenda, our preferences. And God, we say, not our will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us not just to say it on earth as it is in heaven, but help us to live it out by surrendering. Lord, that no matter what, yes, we can be great students, but Lord, we are witnesses first, students second. Help us to be the best that we can be in the workplace, in the marketplace. Help us to be successful lawyers, engineers, consultants, bankers, engineers. But help us to be witnesses first and foremost. But not just witnesses for any brand or lifestyle, but help us to bear witness and to be living, walking proof of the living God. Help us, Lord, to see the Holy Spirit, you move through surrendered lives. The reason why the apostles were able to move in power is because they were surrendered. The reason why miracles happen is not because of that person's charisma or anointing or experience or knowledge in the Word of God. It's because of that person's surrender. God, would you help us today to come to the end of ourselves so that the beginning of the Holy Spirit can start in our lives. Make us good witnesses, Lord, for you in this city, in this nation. Lord, help us, Lord, to be walking, living, breathing examples, billboards of the living God, of the loving God, of the holy God, of the most powerful name in all of creation, Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour, the only solution we ever need for every problem in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.